Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. Today we conclude the view of Samson, judge of Israel, with Judges chapter 16. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose, and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in in her chamber, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire, so the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them, and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pen, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web, and she made them tight with the pen and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pen, the loom, and the web. And she said to him, How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands, and she made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that Yahweh had left him. 
And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their god and to rejoice and said, Our god has given Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their god. For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson, that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. Then they made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about three thousand men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to Yahweh and said, O Lord Yahweh, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah his father. He had judged Israel twenty years. This is the word of the Lord. That is also the conclusion really of judges in the sense of the judges themselves, the deliverers. We have five chapters left in the book, but it's going to take a different different structure than it has before as we've been going through these different times of oppression. Not not a good account of Samson again in today's text, right? So we've had Samson really learning about him in chapters 14, 15, and 16. We have seen so many sins that Samson has committed, and yet the Lord continues to work through him anyway. That really is the point to highlight, perhaps, for our, our families today, that even though we sin, you and I sin, our children sin, we sin much, we sin greatly, that the Lord still loves us, the Lord still cares for us, the Lord still hears our prayers, right, as he does Samson's in the final bit of the text. The Lord even still works through us for the good of his people. These are things to to take away from the time of Samson. I'm going to make a comparison with that final paragraph to Jesus, which might not be obvious at first. So, Hold on for that one. But as we start out, we see Samson going to another of the major Philistine cities. This one, Gaza, which is southwest from Ashkelon, also on the Mediterranean Sea as Ashkelon was. And he sees a prostitute and he goes and he has sex with her. So again, not a good start for Samson in the chapter. The Gazites recognize Samson has come here and so they decide to surround the place, setting an ambush, waiting for Samson to come out, and they're going to kill him. It appears, when it says they surrounded the place, that they surrounded Gaza, not the home, wherever it was that he was staying. They wait up all night 
waiting for Samson to wake up in the morning that they may attack and kill him. But instead, he wakes up in the middle of the night, and what does he do? Really kind of an odd show of his strength here. He takes up the city gate. So if you can imagine the, the entrance point of a fortified city, so you've got a not really a full castle as a, the way we think of a castle like a palace, but the, the fortified city wall, right? And it has that entry point, the gate. And this, this is describing two large doors that then have posts that bind the doors together. And, and Samson just rips it all out. And then he carries it to Hebron, which is 40 miles away. I read this as being a miracle, right? Uh, another display of Samson's great strength. That for man, this is the kind of thing that normally would have been impossible, but that the Holy Spirit has been working through him. God has been empowering him before to do things that man normally could not do. So we see one here again. That text is then left. So what was the importance of that whole thing? The city gate, like the, the door of the city, it's a symbol of their security, their defensive might and strength. These men of Gaza, the Philistines, had come against Samson to show that they were stronger than him. What's he do? He takes the, the, the fortification point of their city, he rips it out, and he carries it with him for 40 miles. He shows them that they don't have any strength in comparison to him. And in fairness, truly, ultimately, in comparison to the Lord, who is the one who strengthened him. The Lord just removed the city of Gaza's defense. An enemy army could easily walk right in there that day. And destroy it. Then, then Samson meets Delilah. And Samson's trouble with women is quite obvious, right, by now. The, the first, he wanted to marry a woman outside of God's people. Then the prostitute here in this text. Um, all that he did on account of that first wife, by the way, that can't be forgotten. All that he killed because of her. And then, now we get Delilah. And it's hard to say who Delilah really is. She's not re recognized here. She's not spoken of here as being a part of any particular family or even people. She is from the Valley of Sorek, which is near where Samson was born, which is roughly the border between Philistia and Israel. She could be an Israelite. Her name is Hebrew and roughly uh, has something to do with the Hebrew word for night, like N-I-G-H-T, the time of day. But she also could still be a Philistine, right? Uh, she lives on the border. Samson has shown his, uh, his love for Philistine women already twice. Not good in either case. And here he falls in love with another. The Philistines recognize that the lords, that's probably a reference to the, the five they have five major cities, and each of those cities would have had a lord or a king. And so these are the five leaders of these five cities, Gaza being one of them. And they come to her, and they offer her 1,100 pieces of silver each. So 5,500 pieces of silver, a piece of silver being roughly a day's pay. This is about 15 years' worth of wages, or to make that equivalent, like if you consider the average American household today is $60,000 of income, that's nearly a million dollars. So if somebody offered you a million dollars to take a bribe, would you do it? That's the question before her. They want her to seduce this man, help them trap him, catch him, 
and she agrees. Now, there's nothing, there's nothing here that indicates that this is a threat, like she's acting out of fear for her life. It appears that she really simply takes the bribe and that she wants the money and that she, could care, she cares more about the money than she does the man. Now, there's a lot of that in human relationships today, is there not? Uh, but maybe a question to talk about as a family today would be on the nature of bribes. What is a bribe? Should we take bribes? Bribes are not a good thing. And in the Old Testament, God's people, not to take bribes. Because it means there is no truth. It means there is no justice to be had. If you have a judge who shows that he is willing to take a bribe, you can never trust that he's actually going to deal out justice for the people. That judge reference was a courtroom. Sorry, <laughs> should have been careful with that, with the idea of the book of judges and being military deliverers instead. Anyway, so Delilah has agreed to this, and she is going to multiple times invite Samson to tell her how to subdue him, right? I mean, look at that. First, the first one, verse 6. Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Samson should have caught on then, and he didn't. He failed to recognize the danger that he was in, and perhaps in his pride, thinking that nothing could be done to him, nothing could possibly happen to him, maybe that's why he puts up with it, or... Maybe it speaks to some characteristic of Delilah that Samson is just so smitten with her that he doesn't care what she does to him. It's hard to say, but not good anyway, right? So multiple lies here, really in both directions, as Delilah tries to trick him and deceive him, and Samson is willing to play along. So let's just look at one of them and know that it then happens three times over. So he says if, if they were to bind him with seven fresh bowstrings, bowstrings were made at the time out of animal sinews that had not been dried out. So a, a new bowstring just taken from an animal, kill seven animals, take the bowstring, wrap those around his wrist, tie him up with that, and he would be like any other man. His strength would leave him. He would not be able to fight back. And she does it. She plots against him, has the Philistine lords, uh, has the Philistine men lie in ambush in a sizable home, right? There's an inner chamber in this home, which is not, not commonplace among Israelite homes. And he breaks through them like a thread of flax. Right? They're lying in wait. We don't hear that they actually attack because there's no report of a fight. That Philist Philistines rush him and he kills them or anything like that. That's not said. But rather, uh, as soon as she gives the call, he breaks free. And so the Philistines, maybe they just stay in their ambush position and they continue hiding and they don't leave it. This is going to happen three times over. He lies, she continues to push for it, and he continues to get away. Then, finally, she does what the first wife did to him. She claims that he does not love her. Recall that from chapter 14, from his first bride. How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? How can she ask him that question? She's trying to sell him over for 15 years worth of pay. Wages. She doesn't love him. Anyway, 
She just wants the money, and she, like that first wife, presses him hard, right? Day after day, she urges him, claims that he has lied to her, which he has, withheld information from her. See the parallel? Anyway, he tells her finally all his heart that he is a Nazarite to God. His strength comes from the fact that he has kept that vow, sort of. His hair, ultimately, the no razor has ever been upon his head. That's part of the command of the Nazarite vow. It's part of what the angel, perhaps Jesus, specifically said to Samson's parents. Delilah plays along again. She tells the lords of the Philistines to come up, and they do. And this time his strength has left him. He has been overcome. Delilah has overcome the strength of the great Samson. There is the possibility Samson's name means sun, as an S-U-N, sunlight, sun of day, and that her name is a, a, a idea of night, so night overcomes the day. It's an interesting picture that could be there in the text. It's hard to say for sure what Samson's name means, but it is very close to that word. Yahweh had left him. So the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, brought him to Gaza, bound him, made him work in their prison to grind mill for them, so they put him to work. Verse 22, his hair began to grow again. It should not be missed, right? When the hair was shaved, his strength left him, Yahweh left him. As the hair grows back, he begins to keep his vow again. Could be a way to see that. The Philistines then throw a party, a giant festival, to celebrate to their pagan god Dagon, or Dagon, and the question becomes, is this his temple, or is this actually some wealthy lord's house? Hard to say. Um, the word temple does not get used here. The word house does. It would seem to be a temple from the, the whole event, but again, house is used instead. Anyway, many Philistines have gathered. We see the number down in verse 27 that just on the roof alone are 3,000 men and women, and that's in addition to those that are filling the house. So, maybe double? But regardless, that's how many are there. And they, they rejoice that Dagon, they think, has given Samson to them, and they want him to entertain them. Verse 25, when their hearts were merry, could be a reference to being drunk on wine or simply having feasted, right? So they've celebrated, and now they want to celebrate some more. And so they have Samson come out and stand between the pillars. This whole structure is based on the strength of two central pillars that hold it together, hold it up, support it. And Samson asked the young man to help him find the pillars and rest upon them. Now, this is what I want you to talk about with your children. As Samson grasps the two pillars on which the house rested and leans his weight against them, one with his right hand, one with his left, what position is he in? What shape is Samson making? This is that point where Samson has the same posture of his body, perhaps, that Jesus Christ has upon the cross. His arms are outstretched as he's putting weight against both of those pillars, one with his left, one with his right, right? His eyes have been gouged out, so he's not physically well. He's not healthy. He's probably slouching over, leaning forward. The same kind of a picture and image that we might have of Jesus upon the cross. And he prays. He prays that the Lord would strengthen him this one more time, that he may be avenged on the Philistines for his two eyes. 
even in this final prayer, Samson is still off. Old Testament law from Leviticus chapter 24, verse 17 through 23, the idea of an eye for an eye. If they have gouged out his two eyes, the, the response, the appropriate amount of response and vengeance would be to gouge out the two eyes of the man who did it to him. Not to kill this many. This is God working his judgment against the Philistines through the sinner, Samson. Samson doesn't even seem to realize it. Samson thinks this is all about him. This is not God avenging Samson. This is God avenging Israel. There has been so much more going on in all of this. And so as Samson rests his arms against those pillars and uses this one last gift of strength that the Lord gives to him to push those pillars down and collapse the house upon his enemy, right, in his death, See the parallel to Jesus. As Jesus' arms are outstretched upon the cross, one last moment of strength poured out through Christ's veins as he shouts out, It is finished. And in his dying moment, he conquers sin for us. Samson, in his dying moment, conquers the Philistines for Israel. There's a parallel there. Again, Jesus Christ, perfect, son of God. Samson, a very flawed, sinful man, but the Lord works through sinners like you and me, even today, to bring about good in his kingdom. But ultimately, it is done through Jesus Christ. His family comes, and they bury him in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He has judged Israel for 20 years, from 1068 until 1049 B.C. Again, this is the end of what we would call the Judges, but the book continues for five more chapters, starting tomorrow.